I'm going to teach this morning uh, a message called Stop Sacrificing. Okay. Would you like to stop sacrificing? <coughs> or, trick question, would you like to stop sacrificing in the wrong way? Mm -hmm. yes. Yes. All right. Many people believe that they grow closer to the Lord through personal sacrifice. And those things which are good in and of themselves try to become scoreboards where we watch to see if we can fall back on when we're in trouble and remind the Lord what we've done and what he now owes us. Right. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. For example, in the church world, a lot of times, fasting becomes a form of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, fasting means you stop eating. <laughs> and some people will refer to a Daniel fast. Um, in the book of Daniel, Daniel ate only, what was it, vegetables? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, fruit. That's just like killing yourself. <laughs> if, if you're not going to have meat and mayonnaise, forget about it. <laughs> So fasting can either become a time to try to hear from God or for many people fasting is truthfully in their heart of hearts it is twisting God's arm and obligating him to deliver us from whatever issues we're dealing with. Sometimes fasting just becomes, uh, it's, it's kind of a subtle way that we tell God I'm going to starve myself until you give me an answer. Prayer can be a genuine time of talking and building a relationship with Jesus or it can become something that we clock into each day legalistically in order to convince God that he has to answer our prayers now because we've been up at 6 o'clock every day to pray. Yeah. <laughs> Ever been there and done that? Yes. In the Old Testament, the Jews were supposed to give sacrifices to God as an outward act of obedience and submission to show an inward attitude of love and devotion. Okay, <clears throat> let's look at this in the Bible. Psalm 50 and verse 5. Psalm 50, verse 5. Bring my faithful people to me, those who made a covenant with me by giving sacrifices. So the Bible says that you bring, when you bring a sacrifice to God, that is his clue that you are making a covenant with him. Mm -hmm. Everybody got it? Yeah. A, a covenant doesn't come by wishful thinking. A covenant comes by an action. That's why when you're going to, when, when you commit yourself to another person in marriage, that's why you actually get married. It's, it's not holding hands and looking dreamily into each other's eyes on the couch. You come into a covenant, you sign a, a, do, a document, you sign a contract, and you say, until we die, we're going to live together and work together and take care of each other. It's not just, well, we know we love each other. What difference does a piece of paper make? That piece of paper makes all the difference in the planet. Uh, it, it made a difference to God. God said, when you make a sacrifice, you are, in effect, signing a covenant with me. <clears throat> Verse 8. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer, but I do not need, this is God speaking, the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. Verse 10, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. That's good. So now, in, in, in this psalm, listen, God is going to tell us what he wants, okay? He told us what he doesn't want. 
he doesn't want our stuff per se. Sure. Yeah. Okay? So now he tells us what he values in our sacrifice to him. You ready? Yeah. Do you know what it is? Okay. <laughs> That's why you're listening. <laughs> Verse 14. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. That's good. Yes, very good. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory from that rescue. Okay, this is amazing because in our in our minds, many times what we've been taught is. God in the Old Testament is the mean guy, and Jesus in the New Testament is the good guy, yeah. right? God's the one that's going to uh, beat you down when you're in trouble. Jesus is the one who's gentle as a lamb, and he's going to give you a hug when you're in trouble. It's not true. The Bible says if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Jesus was flesh. He was the personified reality of who God always has been in the Old Testament. Okay? So now <clears throat> this supposedly mean God, this angry God that we keep hearing about in the Old Testament, here's what he tells his people. In order for me to come rescue you, we have to be in covenant. To be in covenant, you have to make sacrifices. Yeah. And the only sacrifice I want is gratitude. That's so good. Wow. Amen. That is so good. So now 100% of people qualify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very The person who says, I, all my goats died. Uh, if, if, I, if I give you one of my bulls, I don't have anything to feed my family. Now, 100% of everybody qualifies. Yeah, that's good. Now, here's the problem. Thankfulness doesn't come easy for anybody. That's right. Yeah. Thankfulness takes work. Yeah. Okay? Let me give you some examples. It takes humility to stop and thank God for a meal at a busy restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yes. Have you ever been served your food and the little thought runs through your head, we should stop and pray, and just about then the waitress comes again, and so you pause, and then you think, well, we ought to stop and pray, and the person across the table is already eating. So, you know, uh, it's really crowded, you can barely hear. All these issues come up. You know what? The truth is it takes humility to just say, you know what, let's just take five seconds because we're going to make a sacrifice. That's, right. That's, good. That's good. You know, when we pray at restaurants, <clears throat> I've never, ever once, ever been criticized. Mm -hmm. No. In fact, hundreds of times, literally, I've had people come over to me and say, wow, we just happened to glance over and see you guys pray before your meal. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't God say, if you make this sacrifice, he will get honor? Yes. Yes. It takes a secure heart to write an email or send a text or make a quick phone call mm -hmm. and tell somebody how much they mean to you and that you're glad they're a part of your life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever told somebody you love them and they'll say, me too? <laughs> you mean, me too, you love you too? Or do you mean, me too, you love me? Because if you actually made it a whole sentence, my heart would be filled up. <laughs> listen, make this stuff practical, okay? Do this today. 
just send someone a text or a phone call and just say, you know what, I just want to say how much you mean to me. I appreciate you. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, so how long does that take? Yeah. 15 seconds? Yeah. And God sees that as a sacrifice that you made to him. That's really good. Very good. That's really good. Yeah. I read a lot, and uh, when I read business uh, articles and magazines, I read that there is a constant need for mentors today. This is a big, big topic. Everybody's saying we've got to have mentors, we've got to have mentors. Have you ever thought that maybe mentors are everywhere around you? Yes. Yeah. But you have to actually admit the need yeah. for growth, for help, in order to get that relationship jump-started. Yeah, There's mentors all around you that can show you how to do better in your business. Mm -hmm. better in your ministry, better in your parenting, better in your marriage. There's people all around you, but it takes humility yeah. to make that connection because a good mentor doesn't walk around with a business card that says, mentor. 1-800-MENTOR, call me. They're not, they're not going to do that, okay? Um, they're waiting for you to make the first step, and it's important that they wait because it stops them from being controlling. Yeah. That's right. Now they're not getting in your business and telling you what you, you should do for your life. Yeah. So if you don't want a mentor, simply don't ask. Right. Right. Yeah. Humility. Yeah. How do we make our sacrifice to God in a thankful way? Your daily quiet time is a way of thanking God. Okay. By quiet time, it's an old phrase that, that meant you're devotional. It meant you take a time to be quiet. Um, way back in the day, they, they, used to, they used to call it centering down. They, they used to say everybody has to center down for, for a pause each day where you open your Bible, you read a verse, you read a chapter, you take some time to read, you, you sit and talk to God for a minute. Mm -hmm. and, and talking is a conversation. It's not a list. Yeah. Gimme, 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 amen. Yeah. That, that's not a conversation. Right. You, you, you say, Lord, here are my needs. This is what I'm so grateful for. And um, yeah. if you have anything to say to me, I'm going to open my Bible. Talk to me. If you have something to say to me, I'm listening, and drop a thought into my heart, into my mind, that I, that I will learn how to differentiate between me and you. Right. Okay? That's good. That's very good. How do we show this sacrifice to God? We do it with evangelism. Mm -hmm. evangelism. Evangelism is not just loving people and not wanting them to spend an eternity separated from God. Evangelism is a way of thanking God. Think of this. Yeah, yeah. Every person you share Jesus with, you bless and honor the heart of God. Yeah. Because those people were created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So if God looks at every person in your life and his great desire is to spend eternity with them, yeah. if those people don't know Jesus, they're not going to spend eternity with them. That The Bible calls it hell. Okay. We, we think of hell as just a big pit of flames where you're in torment. The torment is not the fire. The torment is the separation from God. That's right. If God is all that is life, all that is light, all that is love, if God is everything in everything and you are separated from that, that would be hell. Yes, that's right. Yes. So how do, you, how do you show thankfulness to God? Witnessing. You, you, just, you, 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 you drop a thought to people. You, you, you find a creative way to bring Jesus into a conversation. Yes. Sometimes it's as simple as just saying, after you're uh, leaving somebody, you just say, you know, God, God bless you. Because maybe they've never heard God apart from God damn it. Right. So when they hear God bless you, they kind of think, whoa, 
Oh, okay, I'll receive that. Yeah. yeah. That's good. We've made witnessing way too hard. Yeah. In churches, you have to sign up for 29 weeks of evangelism. <laughs> and for 29 weeks, they teach you how to evangelize. Yeah. It, it, it's so simple. <laughs> you, 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 just, you just find a creative, loving way to bring God, to bring Jesus into a relationship, and they'll pick it up from there. Right. Witnessing, the, the Bible calls the gospel good news, not bad yeah, news. Right. So witnessing is not saying, hey, by the way, friend, you're going to hell. <laughs> Because that would be bad news, wouldn't it? <laughs> the gospel is good news. So the good news is, you know what? You have a God who loves you. Yeah. You, you have a Savior who paid the price That's for your right. mess. That's right. You can pay it yourself, but you don't have to. Yeah. You, there are ways to evangelize that are so natural, yeah. so easy. That's very good. Okay? Yeah. Now, let's look at Luke 17. We're going to take this one step further. Luke 17, this is verses 11 through 14, condensed a little bit. As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he entered a village there and ten leopards, lepers, not leopards. <laughs> leopards are cats in Africa. These were lepers, people dying of a disease, okay? He may have talked to ten leopards, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty good chance these were lepers, okay? He, <laughs> he entered a village there and ten lepers, stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Yeah. And he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, it didn't happen right then. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Mm -hmm. Now, this, this is an amazing story. A bona fide supernatural healing just took place with 10 people. Yeah. Okay? Leprosy was a huge deal. Leprosy was cancer of the day. Mm -hmm. When you had leprosy, it didn't get healed. It progressively got worse until you died. Mm -hmm. Okay? If you were a leper in Jesus' day, you could, not, you could not have a social life. Mm -hmm. you, were, you were cast away because leprosy was contagious, mm -hmm. so you couldn't be in public. You couldn't go to funerals. You couldn't go to weddings. You, couldn't, you, you had to be completely separated. Couldn't go to church. Couldn't go to work. Mm -hmm. You sat on the side of the road and screamed and hollered like they did, hoping people People would throw money at you. They wouldn't even hand you money. They'd throw money at you and then hurry away so they couldn't catch your leprosy. Okay? This was a big deal. This was cancer. Okay? Ten out of ten are dying here. So they're asking Jesus for mercy. Right? Yeah. Now, for the sake of, of clarification, I want you just for a second to pretend you're part of that ten. You pretend you're one of those lepers. Mm -hmm. You pretend you're dying of cancer, and there's nine more people in the room dying of cancer, so there's 10 for 10, you're dying, mm -hmm. and Jesus walked in and you said, would you please have mercy? Yeah. Okay? Now, verse 15. Remember, they got healed. Mm -hmm. How many got healed? 10. 10. 10 out of 10 got healed. Yeah. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. An important point I'm going to explain. Okay? What did the other nine do? They went straight to their homes and celebrated and had a party. 
Yeah. Some of the, the other nine went straight to the mall <laughs> and walked around and they didn't have to shout unclean and nobody pointed and nobody looked at them and nobody felt pity for them and nobody was horrified because their skin was rotting, their fingers and their nose and their, their toes were rotting off of their bodies. Nobody was horrified anymore. And so th they were walking up and down the street, bumping into people, shaking hands. They were thinking, this is just amazing. But one guy came back to Jesus and he said, thank you. Wow. That act was his sacrifice to God. Would you have come back to Jesus to say thank you? I can tell if you would or wouldn't. Do you wake up in the morning and thank God that you're alive? That you're not in the hospital with stage four cancer? Do, do, do you look at your children and when you see them, you, you, you're not annoyed because they're messy? You, 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 don't, you don't see them as your, your cute little tax deductions? When you look at your children, does, does something rise up in you and you think, thank God for my kids. Look at my kids. They're healthy. They're happy. Does, does that stuff come up inside of you? When those thoughts come up inside of you, do you direct that to God and you say, thank you, God? If you do, you just made a sacrifice. If you do these things, you would have been that one out of the ten. Do you shower in the morning and thank God you're forgiven? You're living safely in your own place and not showering in a prison or a rehab center? Because that would have been my fate. Do you look at your family at dinner and thank God you aren't living without friends, without family, without any relationships? Because there are millions of people all alone every day of their life. Do you tithe? Do you give offerings as a way of saying thanks to God? Thanking Him you have an income? You have a job, you've got a healthy body so you can go to work. You know, it's amazing how some people won't tithe because they think it's legalistic. Some people, I've been at this a long time. Some people won't tithe because they think the preacher's out to get rich off of them. Yeah, it's true, it's true. But you go to a nice restaurant and pay the bill and you don't care if they're getting rich off you. Okay, now. <laughs> and I've been around preachers for over 35 years and I've only met probably two or three that were genuinely rich. And out of those two or three, they genuinely gave away a, a huge portion of their salary and it wasn't 10% by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. You know, <clears throat> I was just thinking, we're going to build a studio for what we're doing here. The, this God is blessing our teaching. He's blessing this thing. It's starting to grow. And uh, if everybody watching gave 50 bucks, mm -hmm. we would pay for the building that we need to build. Mm -hmm. $50. Yeah. And in case you think I want to get rich off this, I just bought land for the building out of my wife and I's money. Mm -hmm. 
we paid for this. We, we, if you notice, we don't go on the camera and we sit and cry and bawl and beg for money. Okay, if you don't give this, we're gonna shut it down tomorrow. We're, no, we're not. Um, I paid for the land out of, out of our money. Okay, if everybody gave $50 today, the truth is we would have the cash to go build a building and have a beautiful set um, that we could, we could film at and to provide a place where when people are hurt and traumatized and they need a break, Right. They get to go there. Right. This is what this is what a guy provided for justice. How do you say it? Scalia. Scalia. Mm -hmm. It was in Texas mm -hmm. at a uh, a ranch, mm -hmm. just like we're trying to do. Yeah, and when he got fed up with people and problems and politics, he called his friend and said, "Can I come out for two days yeah. and just do nothing?" Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's what we're we're aiming for. That's right. what we're trying to do. Is when somebody's in trouble, when someone needs to breathe. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of land, but what we got is awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is beautiful, yeah. and we're going to build out there so that right. people can come out and take a walk and think. And you can even shoot guns because we live in Texas. <laughs> we've, got, we've got so much to be thankful for. Yes, and you know what? The truth is, yeah. it can be easy to learn how to express gratitude if we just put out our effort. Yeah. It doesn't come natural, but it can be developed. Yes. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? So where are the other nine? Yeah, yeah. He noticed. Oh, yeah. yeah, yes. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Remember the Bible called him a Samaritan? Yes. All the others were good Jews. Yeah. They were spiritually inclined. Let's call them church people. Sure. There was nine church people and one loser. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And the church people got healed, mm -hmm. and they went about their business, and the guy that was viewed as a loser in life came back and, and, and knelt at the feet of Jesus mm -hmm. and said, thank you yeah. with all of my heart. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Yes. This reference to being a foreigner was because that one that returned was a Samaritan. This is interesting. In Jesus' day, Jews had absolutely no interactions with Samaritans. Okay? Samaritans were considered half-breeds. <laughs> it's too long to explain it. But in the history of Israel, there was always taking land, losing land, taking land, losing. Is that something like today? There, there, was, there was all these issues with Israel, and sometimes Israel would expand into the country of Samaria and then sometimes pull back and there there came a point in Jesus's day where there were a people group that were half Samaritans and half Jews they were considered half breeds and the Jews of the day hated Samaritans they felt like they were polluting their ethnicity they felt like the Samaritans were destroying their faith okay let me show you how ugly people treated the Samaritans. In John chapter 4, verse 9, look at this. The woman was surprised. This was the woman at the well. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? This woman was shocked 
that Jesus was even speaking to her. And here we find Jesus speaking, blessing, laying hands on people that are dying of, of leprosy, the cancer of the day, and he was touching a Samaritan. In fact, this is awful. In contempt, in John 8, 48, Jesus was called a Samaritan. It was like a curse word. The people retorted to Jesus, John 8, 48, you Samaritan devil. So it was a, if you were a Samaritan, it was a big deal interacting with Jewish people. And here, the only one of the ten lepers who had the humility to come back to Jesus and say thank you was the only one who was considered different and an outsider. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's good. That's good. The reality is that's you and me in the eyes of many, many people. That's true. Sure. That's oh, yeah. Very true. Yeah. To a lot of people, we're defined by our past and we're defined by our failures. In a lot of people's eyes, we are Samaritans. Oh, yeah. But this is our next chapter. Yes. Yeah. I am so grateful for everything Jesus did for me. Yes. How about you? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Psalm 51. Let me close, and we're going to pray for a few people. Uh, Ryan, Micah, somebody, if you could uh, please come and play for just a second. Look at this in Psalm 51 and verse 16 and 17. You do not desire a sacrifice, talking to God, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. So here, God makes it very clear to us Samaritans, okay? Now, if you're all put together and you're really cool, this doesn't apply, okay? If you have a past, if you have a history, if you've messed up, if there's been a problem, this applies to you. What God said he wants from you is a broken heart. Listen, a broken heart doesn't mean you walk around weeping and you're depressed. That's not, the, that's not what this means in this context. A broken heart is talking about a humble heart. It's, it's recognizing every good and perfect gift came from God. It didn't come because you're brilliant, and it didn't come because you're lucky, and it didn't come because your horoscope lined up the stars correctly. Every good and perfect gift came from God. And the Lord says, you know what I want back? All I want back is from you to say thank you. Sometimes it's a literal thank you, and sometimes a thank you is something like you give someone a hug, you send an email, you write a check to uh, your charity or your church. Sometimes a thank you is an action. That's good. That Samaritan who was healed of cancer, leprosy, he didn't just think a nice thought about Jesus. He turned around and came back. How how far did he come back? Was it 10 feet or was it 10 miles? It didn't matter to him. He said, I'm going to go back to that guy. I'm going to go back and find this Jesus and let him know I was healed and it came from you and you alone. You know what? When you get restored in life, you may have 100 people helping you to get restored, but at the end of the day, it was from him and him alone. People come, people go. People love you, people hate you. People support you, people abandon you. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus. Amen?